and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Terry Lovelace. More specifically, we're talking about the abduction and possible alien implant of Terry Lovelace. And I found this very interesting article uh, recently put up on AboveTopSecret.com. It's dated February 12, 2020. It says... The man who is claiming this is none other than Terry Loveless, who authored the book Incident at Devil Den. And what's he claiming? Well, man claims his iPhone 6 app shows proof that he was abducted by a UFO last year. That's right. He says he has proof on his iPhone from his iPhone 6 app that he was abducted by aliens. It says, Lovelace is a U.S. Air Force veteran and a former assistant attorney general for the U.S. territory of Samoa. Back in 2012, he had an x-ray done of his right leg, which had gone numb during a run. And this article states, an x-ray of my leg above the knee discovered an anonymous bit of metal. The radiologist was sure it was, man it was a man-made object, about the size of a fingernail, with two wires attached. He pointed out it resembled an RFID compute device. He also noticed a collection of foreign objects below in my calf muscle. He insisted on examining my right leg for scar tissue, insisting the only way these objects could become embedded in my leg would have required an incision. He said it's impossible to breach the integrity of the skin without leaving a scar. There is no scar. I ask, Doctor, how often do you find a foreign body underneath the skin without a corresponding scar? He thought for a moment, never, he replied. And here in the article they have an x-ray picture of this guy's leg, and clearly there is some sort of foreign uh, implanted uh, piece of material in it. And you know, this brings us to the same kind of scenario that we talked about yesterday with the cattle mutilations. This guy has got a piece of metal implanted in his leg. Looks like it's got a couple wires out of it. A classic alien implant. And there's no physical evidence how it got there. Just like with the cows we find mutilated. They're cut open, but there's no blood. The integrity of the skin is broken, but no scar tissue. Or in the case of the cattle... The integrity of the blood vessels are broken, but there's no bleeding. This does not make sense from any human perspective. It goes on and says, This discovery gave rise to horrific nightmares, spontaneous recall, and intrusive thoughts all surrounding a 1977 camping trip to Devil's Den State Park in northern Arkansas. Because of his standing in the legal community, he kept his story secret for 40 years. Now keep in mind this guy was an assistant U.S. attorney that says he served on Samoa. That's a U.S. territory. And I can understand why he would not want to bring this sort of thing up. People might just uh, accuse him of being crazy. And his legal career with the U.S. government could have possibly ended. It says this secret was about he and his friend Toby seeing a triangular UFO during the camping trip back in 1977. Also, back in 1966, 
Loveless had seen a UFO directly overhead near his house. Before that, in 1963, he claimed to have seen mask face monkey men who appeared one night in his bedroom and wanted to play with him. Now that's some scary stuff, man. Obviously, it looks like these aliens are trying to uh, coerce this little kid onto a craft with them, and they're they're using some pretty uh, sleazy means to do that. He describes them as mask face monkey men. I have to go back to my my core belief about these things, and that is that they are operating from a place of deception. They're not our space brothers. They're not somebody I want to hang out with, and I surely do not want to get on board of one of those ships. If these things were above board and treating humans with respect, they wouldn't be going around abducting children and pretending to be monkeys that want to play with them. And it has a picture of this triangle-shaped craft that he drew from what he, either he remembered or what he saw. It says, in 1966, as a young man in St. Louis, Missouri, Loveless had witnessed a brushed aluminum appearing disc-shaped flying saucer directly overhead near his house. Three years earlier, Loveless had been plagued at night in his bedroom by mask-faced monkey men begging him to play with them. And not, it says, not unlike the spooky Grady twins in The Shining. It would be years before Loveless would make the connection between those two childhood experiences. It goes on, it says... These experiences prompted Lovelace to write a book in 2018 entitled Incident at Devil's Den. He believes that he was abducted by aliens and was tracked by them since childhood. Apparently, he believes that he's still being tracked and now claims that he has proof that he was abducted by aliens back in 2019. For perhaps the first time in history, a man claims he has electronic data proof that he has been abducted by a UFO. He was taken from his bed in Dallas, Texas, while his iPhone was in his pocket, and his cell phone health activity app records that he had been transported 60 feet above his house in less than a minute. Now that's what the app says. He's laying on his bed or his couch, whatever, and the next thing you know, the app shows that he's 60 feet above the house. I wonder, did he go through the roof? Did he go outside? It just says that he goes straight up. So this tells us his body somehow, the phone and everything, must have been transferred straight through the roof. It's somehow these things are able to, uh, it's almost like a, like a Star Trek uh, tracker beam. It's like people go right through solid objects. That's what we're seeing about this. They have the power to move humans and solid objects through solid objects and not leave lasting changes on them. The phone still worked. He's laying on his couch. His phone's in his pocket. Him and the phone goes straight up 60 foot. Doesn't show him going right, left, north, south. Straight through the roof. That means him and that phone went through, you know, several inches of insulation, shingles, tin roof, whatever. Walked right, right through a solid object. Yet when he comes back to earth, his body's the same. Uh, maybe it's got an implant in it, but his phone still works. Whatever these things are that are doing this, they have the power to transport one solid object through another solid object as if it wasn't there. That's something to think about. 
It goes on, he says, Terry said, I was taken on April 16th, 2019, and I actually have empirical evidence to prove it. He explained that he sleeps with his cell phone in a top pocket of his t-shirt and listens to orchestral music. On April 16th, I got up at 5.55 a.m., completely exhausted and out of breath, thought I was having a heart attack, and called an ambulance. At hospital, he was given x-rays and an EEG, which showed he hadn't had a heart attack, and all was fine. He explained that his activity phone app records how many steps he takes, but also stairs. And if I climb six flights of stairs, for instance, it will show a stair step app, because the bottom line impacts the time, where the horizontal index, index represents distance. Health app in Terry's phone recording, Elevation Flights of Stairs, it showed one line. It showed a horizontal line going straight up between 5.23 and 5.24 a.m. According to the phone, I climbed six flights of stairs in less than one minute. Okay, now hang on a second here. He's making an assumption. He's assuming that the app showed him climbing six flights of stairs. But that's not what I see. I see the app shows him being at ground level and then shows him being at 60 feet straight up. doesn't show him moving, you know, uh, up one direction then the next as he climbs stairs. No, that's not what it shows. It shows a direct move up, like he's in an elevator, basically. The app makes it look as though he's in an elevator. But we know he's not in an elevator because he's at his house. According to the phone, I climbed six flights of stairs, it says, in less than one minute. I took it to the T-Mobile phone store. I asked the guy, what does this mean? He was told, the mobile says you were 60 feet above the house at 5.24 a.m. Terry told interviewer Dean, my house has no stairs. Well, well, dude, I don't imagine your house has a 60-foot elevator in it either. And then below this, the article here in Above Top Secret, it has... It has a, uh, a a screenshot of the app. It shows 1,775 steps, six floors, and then it has a straight line going right up the right up the graph. On down, the article says, in a new interview with me today, Terry responded to skeptics and critics who were suggesting he might have strapped his phone to a drone to obtain the same app readings. He said, I don't own a drone and have never operated one. I have no proof other than my word. I do have medical bills that document my ambulance ride and hospital stay for April 16th. If I hoax this, it was a costly venture. Terry also answered critics who suggested because that because he revealed in the Alien Live interview that he'd written a motion picture script for his experiences, he was a fraud just out to make money. He said, I've made money. I worked very hard over a lifetime and had a very good career, both in private practice and in public service. I don't need to sell books or cash or cash in on a movie script. He added, the two-year-old iPhone 6 has been through diagnostics and I will make it available for scrutiny under reasonable conditions. The lady at Apple who ran the diagnosis said the health app measures height by change in barometric pressure. She was confident about its accuracy. It's not measured by GPS. That has a margin of error. It doesn't show that I have ev ever climbed downstairs 
That would not have registered as steps taken since I wasn't descending a ladder or opposing gravity. My phone shows that I took zero steps at 5.24 a.m. I only traveled upward. My descent, absent body movement would simply not register. That's how she explained it to me. I'm no engineer. Well, honestly, considering the conditions under which this thing uh, mysteriously went up 60 feet in the air, it's no surprise to me that the phone maybe didn't record it coming down. It goes on and says, so what do you think? Is Lovelace a fraud trying to cash in? And then uh, it has some, some pictures uh, listed. Now, I also found um, another article uh, on Loveless, and this is from strangeoutdoors.com, and it's from February 19th, 2018, so that's a couple years ago, by Richard Norton, and I'll just go through a little bit of it because I wanted to give you some background. Uh, Terry Loveless has been around for a while, and he seems to have been telling the same story the whole time. It's just he's reporting more abductions as a as a occur, is what it appears to me. It says this story is off topic for StrangeOutdoors.com, but I thought it might be interesting for readers of the blog, given the author Terry Loveless, ex assistant attorney general for the state of Vermont, until his retirement. He contacted me to tell me he was keen to tell his story and had. Never discloses information for fear of losing his job and or standing in the legal community. Ex-Assistant Attorney General for the state of Vermont. Well, you know, it's saying something. The guy, the guy obviously is a successful attorney. I mean, he couldn't be completely insane, could he, to be the ex-Attorney General, Assistant General for Vermont? I mean... I'm looking at this guy, and I'm seeing a lot of reliability in his witness. I mean, I really have to consider, you know, that he's been, it looks like, a pretty stand-up guy his whole life. So why would, why should we just discount his testimony now? I mean, I think he deserves to be listened to. It says he contacted me to tell me he was keen to tell his story and had never disclosed his information for fear of losing his job and or standing in the living community. It concerns an incident near Whiteman Air Force Base, Missouri, Make of it what you will. And then it goes on, the article says, now remember this is two years ago, about Terry Loveless. I am 60, he says, this is Terry Loveless's own words, I am 64, I spent six years in the U.S. Air Force, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and a law degree from U of M School of Law, TMC campus. I passed the Michigan bar exam on my first attempt and was in private practice until I entered government service for the U.S. Territory of American Samoa. I was in a I was an assistant attorney general there for two years and general counsel for their hospital, LBJ Tropical Medical Center, for another two. I was elected by my peers as president of the America Samoa Bar Association. Lastly, I was an assistant AG for the state of Vermont, where I sat on their board of medical practice until retiring medically in January 2012. I've been married for 42 years. My wife and I were active Lions Club members and volunteered our time and efforts to their missions to stop blindness. We have two adult children who live near us in Dallas. I've never abused substances or been arrested. But for these events, my life has been ordinary in all regard. And then he goes on and says, I grew up in urban St. Louis City. After graduating from high school in 1973, I joined the U.S. Air Force and was trained as a medic EMT. 
I was stationed permanently at Whiteman Air Force Base, WFAB, for the next five and a half years. WFAB was a S was a SAC base, home to a squadron of nuclear armed B-52s. It was also home of the 351st Strategic Missile Wing, with dozens of missile silos spread across rural western Missouri. This area was very sparsely populated in the 1970s. The airbase is a half a day drive north of Devil's Den. Goes on and says, I drove an ambulance for the base hospital and worked graveyard shift of 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. My partner was a younger airman, first class. I'll refer to him as Toby. Together, we were first responders to accidents, injuries on base, or at any of the missile silos. Toby was from Urban Flint, Michigan. He was a 20-year-old kid with a gift for mathematics. He hoped to attend the University of Michigan and study astronomy. Coincidentally, I attended law school at U of M years later. Toby was an amateur astronomer, and most warm evenings we sat on the ambulance ramp in lawn chairs and watched the sky waiting the crash, waiting the crash phone to ring. In January 1975, our crash phone rang about 2 a.m. A missile technician serving as an ICBM fell inside a silo designated Kilo 5. The dispatch was unusually thin on facts, and the radio was unusually quiet without the routine chatter. I drove the ambulance while Toby navigated. It was 18 miles to Kilo 5 in a desolate area in the middle of a soybean field. We arrived at a chaotic scene, a dozen security police cars, and 30 guys with M16s running around looking up. I found a captain in charge. He ordered me to park the ambulance and to stay put. Then Toby noticed a matte black diamond-shaped object hovering 20 or so feet over Kilo 5. It was as big as a full-size van. I looked for wires or some explanation as to how this thing could just sit in mid-air. Mentally, it was difficult to process. We watched this thing set for about 15 minutes, then it just shot off to the east from a dead stop to the speed of a bullet without accelerating. We were debriefed and our reports were rewritten. Our CO told us the object was an experimental helicopter and top secret. We knew back then he was full of shit and had no idea what we saw. We were sternly warned, warned not to talk about it and were asked to surrender any drawings we may have made. Two years later, my friend Toby... Two years later, my friend Toby are still working the night shift at the ER. One night, Toby suggested we go on a camping trip. I enjoyed, I enjoyed wildlife photography and had a new camera I wanted to try. Photography was not allowed on the base. Toby and I were both city kids. Neither one of us had ever been camping in our lives. There were plenty of national forest campgrounds all around us, but Toby convinced me the long drive to Devil's Den was worth it because it offered a high plateau where we could stargaze without the light pollution. I could photograph wildlife and scenery. He was against staying at the park's campground, comparing it to camping in a parking lot in the woods. So we trespassed deep into the nature preserve that was off limits and set up a camp on the edge at the plateau abutting a tree line. When we were four hours into our drive south toward the Arkansas border, I realized I left my, my camera on my kitchen counter. It was a big disappointment, but I was determined to make the best of it. We did bring our best tent, insect repellent, and enough food for for overnight for two overnights. He then says, Our first night we were exhausted from a hike we took when we first arrived, a long drive setting up campsite about 9 p.m. Toby noticed three stars on the horizon. 
They made a perfect triangle. They were small at first and moved in perfect unison. It became obvious this was one solid object and not three independent lights orchestrated to move in perfect formation. We watched it ascend and grow closer and grow and much larger until it was directly over the top of our campsite. We noticed that as it passed through a star field, it blotted them out until it had moved past. Then they would blink back on. So it was one solid object. It was odd at, f at first this thing in the sky made us anxious, but then soon dis dissipated. We noticed the whole forest was now dead silent when an hour earlier it had been alive with crickets and tree frogs. While this thing was over our heads, we became abruptly disinterested. We were also suddenly drowsy, not tired, but almost sedated. At midnight, we just decided to get in the tent and go to sleep. The apathy puzzles me to this day. I woke up at 3 a.m. to brilliant multicolored lights, white, yellow, and orange, illuminated inside our tent. Through a rear small net window, I saw the forest behind us was lit up like a night game at the ballpark. I noticed my clothing and boots were all askew. I pushed Toby aside so we could both look outside toward the meadow. There was an enormous UFO as large as a five-story building. It was a triangle, with each leg being about a city block in length. It was 50 feet tall and stationary, 30 feet over the meadow floor. There was no noise. It was a low bass or hum drone. Not so loud. It was not so much loud as was powerful. It was like standing next to a running diesel engine or a large industrial machine. We saw what I first took to be children walking around the meadow underneath the triangle. There was a column of white light and about 30 feet in diameter shining down from the center of the triangle. We watched as these little people walked into the light and just dissolved one by one until they were gone. The hum stopped and the corner lights all returned to brilliant white. The white cylinder from the middle stopped and these, and the thing rose about like a hot air balloon. I made a one-third clockwise rotation and continued its ascent, picking up speed until it was high in the sky and then gone. And then it goes on, it talks about them leaving the campsite, how they felt like they had uh, received sunburns over their body. Um, he describes how nobody believed believed their encounter and it talks a little bit more about about the encounters that he had as a child so what what we have here with with mr loveless terry loveless this appears to be um one of these individuals that has been that has been the subject of ufo abductions since she was a small child you know starting maybe back in like 1966 or something was just a little kid and these things have been abducting him probably repeatedly over his whole life. He goes on talks about this incident when he was uh, working uh, on the nuclear uh, base. And they they had this close encounter with a large ship. And then a couple years after that, when they're down here at Devil's Den, the state park in uh, along the Missouri-Arkansas border. And they had some kind of close encounter there. Probably another abduction where they actually see two different situations here. Where he's told us about seeing aliens specifically. So this is what I would call a targeted individual. And now we have this latest episode where he, he shows these x-rays of his leg where he claims to have what appear to be alien implants. And honestly, I don't have any reason to doubt the guy because we know that alien implants are real. We've had enough of these things taken out that, and they've been 
they've been analyzed repeatedly and shown to contain metals that aren't even from our own galaxy. So something's going on there. And he's also shown this last episode, he has evidence from his iPhone that shows that he uh, was taken 60 feet above his house. Now he would have had to have gone straight through the roof of his, ho- roof of his house for this stuff happened. So the case of Terry Lovelace is a fascinating case because it takes place over many, many years. He has all the markings of a reliable witness. And now he has uh, not only eyewitness reports, but now he has uh, physical evidence in the form of alien implants, it appears, that, are, that are, have been planted in his, in his leg, in his knee. And he also has physical evidence in the form of this recording on his iPhone. In my mind, this is how we're going to catch these things, whatever they are, in the act of abducting people. They're More than likely, they're going to be caught on a cell phone because cell phones have become ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And they record our movements, they record our voices, they record images of us. And in this case, They've recorded this man's movements. I have no reason to believe he's lying about this. He shows to me that he's been a truthful person over decades. And the, the clincher for me is that he has these implants in his leg. Now, if there was some way that we could remove those things and have a good long look at him, that would be that would be over the top. But I found the case of Terry Lovelace to be a fascinating case. You can go back, you can Google it, you can look it up online. It's an individual who, like I said, to me appears to be a targeted individual who has, who has endured multiple abductions, multiple surgeries, most likely. And now in this latest case, uh, he has actually recorded um, the physical aspect of the abduction on his iPhone. Fascinating stuff. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.